Welcome to the Memory Library Subspace Network. Input inquiry now. Mud. Harcourt, Fenton. Access granted. Activating holographic interface. The human race, while within the security and structure of the United Federation of Planets, touts evolved sensibilities involving wealth, materialism, and empathy. Remove the environment that supports the better angels of human nature, and a very different image appears. The instincts and social skills humans currently use to better themselves can be far less altruistic when applied to more scurrilous endeavors. Yes, human beings, as moralistic as they currently are, can be spectacularly criminal. Scoundrel, delight, conniver, hustler, and much, much more. Half the classic Scaramouche, half the classic almost everything else. Harry Mudd, in a word, was style, and all his own. His instinct was to scratch, scramble, and con. His nature was precisely what he said it was, and nobody believed. Earth may be a paradise today, but crime does still exist in the universe. Some mundane, some on a galactic scale. This is a journal of the most memorable, most important crimes in the Milky Way galaxy and the complex beings who commit them. been born on either Antares Pi 4 or on Earth in the great state of Missouri in the year 2219, hardcore Fenton Mud was indeed human, though not like most humans you'd recognize. Little is known about the enigmatic Mud's early life, but he maintained that he had a troubled childhood, having been quoted as saying he'd been screwed over his entire life. Hard to sift through that for objective fact, but his career pursuit of wealth, power, and recognition can lead us to conclude that his narcissistic complex stemmed from a real place. The best way to describe Harry Mudd as an adult is the anachronistic Earth term confidence man, named after a 19th century criminal human named Samuel Thompson. Though not the first, Thompson was the most sensationalized. Ironically, Thompson himself was actually a pretty lousy con man, and the entire legend was meant to be tongue-in-cheek. His modus operandi was literally to tell random passers-by that he could be trusted to hold their money for them. On the surface, this seems like a pretty solid analogy for Mud, as he often comes across as sloppy and bumbling, though surprisingly charming. A loudmouth buffoon, I believe, is the medical term. But in reality, being a lifelong scammer in a dangerous, vindictive universe isn't easy. I mean, races like the Noskins and Klingons don't cotton to be swindled, you know? To live that long as a con artist, you have to be just that, an artist. Mud's infamy begins to emerge in the 2250s when he becomes engaged to a human woman named Stella Grimes, the love of his life if he's to be believed. He often waxed poetic about the pure and passionate romance with Grimes in the early years, but his actions and later admissions reveal pieces of a very different narrative. Mud borrowed a large sum of currency from, let's say, questionable lenders, and gifted her with an entire moon. Yeah, you heard right. A moon. 
Many believe Mudd at some point defaulted on his loan payments, and unsavory characters decided to take their share out of his proverbial hide. His instinct was, naturally, to flee in panic and to cling on space. In all likelihood, however, Mudd's cowardly scramble was out of fear of Stella's father. Sure, I've been told in-laws can be intimidating in general. This just happens to be the infamous human war profiteer and sociological dinosaur Baron Grimes. That's his name, not a title. Grimes amassed a vast fortune selling weapons during the first Klingon Federation War, which makes him not only ethically questionable, but powerful and possibly well-armed. So when Mudd seemed to have absconded with Stella's substantial dowry just before the wedding, there is a generous bounty placed squarely on his head. Before anyone could cash in, however, he was captured and imprisoned by the factional Klingons. Side note. The Federation is a progressive and open-minded alliance, not an authoritarian body. Member beings are allowed to follow whatever pursuits they wish, within reasonable legal parameters. Whomever so chooses may have access to replicators, supplies, and all the benefits of a non-currency-based society. The accumulation of material wealth is pointless. Though it's not prohibited, pursue such a lifestyle, especially one predicated on death for profit, may be allowed, but it does make one, if my research is correct, a dick. As a fun exercise of degradation to drive a wedge of mistrust between captives, Klingon guards would periodically come to deliver random, non-fatal beatings, but offer the subject the choice of deferring said walloping to another prisoner. This was a favorite option of Mud's. Perhaps to buoy his spirits on top of having a loyal underling, he kept a pet while imprisoned, a small alien insectoid creature he playfully called Stuart. Stuart was trained to follow commands, among which was stealing small objects and food, and even that of the prisoners. Disclaimer, information regarding fellow prisoner, Starfleet officer, Ash Tyler, any rumored interaction with the science vessel Discovery or tangential data on the USS Discovery itself has been redacted from the memory network. To access these files would require Sigma-9 security clearance. And if you had such clearance, it's doubtful you'd need me to tell you about it. All I can tell you, dear listener, is that thanks to a deal brokered by the Discovery crew in 2256, Stella was eager to forgive Mud, and her father did a suspicious about-face, reportedly saying he'd do anything for his daughter. It's the oldest story. Before the duo left with Mud, Stella's father promised to keep Mud with Stella and away from the Federation. Though Mud dodged a bullet, as he often did, this arrangement wouldn't last forever. Less than 10 years later, Mudd had already deserted his beloved Stella yet again, continuing his interstellar grifts with slightly lower profile. Though his persona seemed often harmless, Mudd would have no qualms about hurting those in his way. At some point, subsequent to his alleged encounter with Discovery, the Federation had charged Mudd with 30 counts of smuggling, 20 counts of homicide, one count of attempted regicide, and penetrating a gormagander. And yes, it's as gross as it sounds. A bounty of 100,000 credits was offered for his capture. Now, you may wonder what a society which has eliminated the need for currency is doing offering just that. Well, it's true that the Federation doesn't deal with monies in the traditional sense. They do have a system of exchangeable currency for dealing with cultures that do. The Federation prefers to use raw goods and materials when engaging in trade with others, but there are times when something standardized is the only thing accepted. Now, credits aren't widely coveted, and they usually are exchanged for something more widely accepted, say, gold-pressed latinum, and usually set up by a third party. 
In typical fashion, Mudd turned this into his advantage and began a lifelong relationship with cybernetics. Didn't see that coming, did you? He managed to obtain a number of pre-positronic android life model decoys of himself, and while disguised as a female alien bounty hunter through holograms, sold these androids to other bounty hunters in hopes of eluding their interest, if temporarily. It's a good scam. By 2266, Mudd had been convicted of smuggling, transporting stolen goods, and purchasing a space vessel using some sort of counterfeit currency, likely Federation credits. For these last two crimes, Mudd was sentenced to undergo psychiatric treatment, as you know, the results of which were laughable. His master's license, permitting him to legally operate a spacecraft, was revoked on Stardate 1116.4 for having stolen a vessel and using it to smuggle stolen goods. This is the time during which Mudd first encountered the crew of the USS Enterprise and the famed Captain James Kirk. This time, however, Mudd's scheme was much darker, using an illegal hallucinogen to manipulate the appearance and identities of human women, Eve McCurin, Ruth Bonaventure, and Magda Kovacs, in order to marry them off to a group of lithium miners on Rigel 12. Mudd had engaged in human trafficking, selling the women, at best, as property. The Rigel system was often a hub for the Orion slave trade, and it's likely Mudd wanted a piece of the action. Criminal charges were eventually levied against Mudd for his actions, and he spent at least some time in a Federation prison. Somehow, though, Mudd escaped. He then promptly began to sell patented plans for alien technologies to various worlds without paying royalties to off-world patent holders. Though replicator technology would have seemingly eliminated the need for most patent royalties and made the pursuit of new technologies far more altruistic, some worlds still engaged in research for profit or had outdated laws pertaining to them. In all likelihood, these antiquated laws would never have been enforced, or if they did, it would be part of some trade agreement involving raw materials or other technologies. Many assume authorities were looking for an excuse to end Mun's schemes. One example is his attempt to sell Vulcan fuel synthesizer technology to the inhabitants of Deneb 5. Vulcans really have no use for patent royalties in the form of currency due to the economic climate of the time, but their application was successful in ending Mud's machinations. The scam was uncovered when the Denebians actually contacted Vulcan to make sure that Mud had rights to sell the technology in question. Which, of course, he didn't. Now they had him dead to rights. Though, Mud may have chosen the wrong culture to scam, as the penalty for fraud on Deneb 5 was death. However, Mud did once again manage to procure a spaceship and escape before the sentence could be carried out. Mud backed into good fortune as he took up refuge on a previously uncharted planet populated entirely by androids. Notice the theme? The androids were programmed to adapt the planet for productive use. Other than the claim that they hailed from the Andromeda Galaxy, which is pretty far, it's not known when or who exactly placed the androids on the distant world, but they eventually became fascinated with studying mud as a specimen of humanoids. This meant that while the androids seemingly made him their de facto ruler, a kind of decadent monarch not seen from a human since the dark days of the eugenics wars, Mud was very much their unwitting prisoner. Mud eventually attempted to negotiate with the androids in an exchange for other humanoid specimens to study. In 2268, an addictive Mud identified the starship Enterprise to the androids as a source of exceptional samples of human species. He wasn't wrong. This was a serious gamble, however, since these androids were what could be categorized as proto-Borg, 
seeking to enslave the new species they recently discovered. The android, known strangely as Norman, infiltrated the Enterprise crew, taking control of the ship and redirecting it to the planet now simply known as Mud. The crew of the Enterprise, however, was able to escape captivity by identifying Norman as the hive mind control for all the planet's androids. The crew cleverly defeated Norman with illogical behavior in what could be best described as an improv exercise, causing him to break down. The trick was simple but effective against several pre-positronic AIs the Enterprise faced throughout the years. After the androids were easily reprogrammed, Mud was left behind on the planet as an example of humanoid failings, along with 500 uncontrollable android replicas of his wife Stella, programmed with the personality the misogynistic Mud portrayed her as having. I do love a good ironic punishment. Harry Mudd somehow acquired another spaceship, again, and escaped the android's planet in 2269. He traveled to the planet Illyria 6 to run a scam on its gullible inhabitants, touting his human heritage as a way to provide access to Starfleet Academy. As to how or why this would possibly net him the windfall it did is just as baffling today as it would have been then. Mudd then used his proceeds to travel to Sirius 9, where he discovered a love potion crystal that he sold to over a thousand of the planet's inhabitants. This kind of grift is comparable to the ancient Earth archetype, the snake oil salesman. In ancient Chinese culture, snake oil was a medicine utilizing fat extracted from a Chinese water serpent, which was made into a topical ointment for pain. In the 18th and 19th centuries, when the Earth's Western Hemisphere became more widely aware of the Eastern culture, racism, ethnocentrism, ignorance, and crude understanding of new science-based medicine led to a gullible populace willing to believe cure-all remedies based loosely on Chinese traditions. Scam artists would tout westernized snake oil as treatments for rampant disease and ailments. These traveling salesmen would sell bogus tinctures and tonics to desperate colonizers, often having no or even negative effects on the unsuspecting. Sadly, Mud employed these methods on worlds more isolated from the resources of the Federation, and like I said, a dick. The irony of this was that the so-called love potion crystals did actually have a chemical effect on humanoids, basically doing what he claimed. Unfortunately, most victims suffered allergic reactions to the crystals, and Mud was forced to flee the mining planet Motherlode, where he tried to sell the love potion drug. Now, I'd like to take this opportunity to point out that the name of the planet was not my punny editorializing. It's actually called that. Once again, however, he encountered the crew of the Enterprise and was captured. The slippery scoundrel managed to once again escape custody, but he didn't get far before being recaptured and sentenced to an indefinite period of rehabilitation therapy in a Federation hospital. It isn't altogether clear what became of Harry Mudd after his release from treatment, but considering his penchant for telling those around him exactly what they want to hear, it's doubtful that his behavior changed before his lifestyle eventually caught up with him. Much like Cyrano Jones, Kivas Fajo, and Ardra, con men rarely outrun their deeds forever. Confidence men and snake oil salesmen exploit typical humanoid characteristics such as greed, dishonesty, vanity, opportunism, lust, desperation, naivete. These traits don't exactly fly in the Goody Two-Shoes Federation, which is another reason Mudd was a pariah amongst his own people. Harry Mudd was a brilliant man with skills like the best the human race had to offer. And in his time, he could have contributed greatly to society at large. With no need for greed, wealth, or material want, Harcourt Fenton Mudd 
chose an archaic form of the human experience simply because he could. Even though he was a liar, cheat, killer, and a flim-flam man, his inscrutable skill is almost admirable. Were he born Ferengi or Orion, he might have been hailed as a hero or a kingpin. Still, it can be argued that by being human, even if he had been born in an era where his skills were often heralded as necessary for success, it's doubtful that his life would have gone any differently. Likely, though, with fewer androids. Star Trek and all related marks, logos, and characters are solely owned by CBS Studios Inc. This fan production is not endorsed by, sponsored by, nor affiliated with CBS, Paramount Pictures, or any other Star Trek franchise, and is a non-commercial fan-made film intended for recreational use. No commercial exhibition or distribution is permitted. No alleged independent rights will be asserted against CBS or Paramount Pictures. Live long and prosper.